you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why, you know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys, to your favourite sports betting podcast, What Are The Odds? And a little bit of housekeeping straight off the top and a bit of a head wobble because we returned for you 40% return on investment last week off our bets and all of our picks from every game of the round last week. And so we ask just for one little thing in return. If you can slide onto our Twitter handle at SC underscore mag underscore Oz, hit that follow button. Turn on the notifications. If you can slide onto our Facebook page, Sporting Chance Magazine, hit the like, hit the follow, hit the notified button, and slide into iTunes and drop us a five-star review. If you happen to hop onto one of our bets and make yourself a bit of cash, we don't want your money. We're here to make you money. We just want your your likes, your follows, so we can sneak our way up uh, that iTunes podcast ladder. And uh, get get hashtag global in training like the mainstream tipsters that we are currently beating. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my Speaking of currently beating, lots of teams that suffered some bad beats over the weekend. And so we could just give them a blast. We could do what everyone else does. We could talk about heart and the intangibles and culture. But no, we have with us, that's right, you know who we have with us, the super coach, <laughs> Barrel. Uh. And uh, we're going to start off, get him on the blower and take him to super coach corner. And we're going to try and solve three teams' current woes. Baz, <laughs> beforehand, how did your boys do on the weekend? Oh, they had a good win, mate. They had a good win. Why? Super coach. Because they brought effort and intensity and they followed... Uh, all the instructions, and we had some very, very good players who played some very, very good football. Excellent. So you even did coach speak well? No. Well, to, be, mate, to be honest, coaches don't do a lot of game day. The, the coaches get too much credit sometimes. The week-to-week stuff, it's mostly pre-game and during the week. Yeah. And most of it's actually pre-season working out how we're going to play. I can guarantee you, most of the boys when I talk don't listen anyway. Yeah. They're 18, 19-year-olds. You just think, Baz, will you shut the fuck up? Let me kick, let me <laughs> yeah. kick the footy. Let me go have a kick, mate, yeah. We're not, here, we're not here for sheep stations. Yeah. Who are here for sheep stations, or oh, I wish they were, is Melbourne. So yet again, we went to back them. They let us down. They let themselves down. They let the members down. And they let down their 2009 tanking selves because they went through all that pain, all that hardship to get to where they were meant to get last year to try and take themselves back to the Holy Grail. And now they look like they've just gone and cocked up another season. They're staring down the barrel of 0-4. But don't worry, Baz, don't worry, because Simon Goodwin is also very good at coach speak. Yep. And he wanted to reaffirm to his fans and his members and his stakeholders that they're hurting. They're hurting in club land. Don't worry about it. We're going to go back. We're going to fix it up. And apparently losing to Essendon the way they did wasn't good enough. So thank, thank goodness that he's realised that something's not going well at that football club. I just hope he hasn't gone down the path of using this hurt and everything to get him up. Get him up for one game, because they will come down just as quick. So We saw that last year. So my question to you is, how do, we, how do we fix a problem like Melbourne? And is the issue structural, executional? Is it how they're playing their football on game day? Is it cultural, this mythical thing that apparently football clubs have or football teams have? Is it tactical? Is their game plan just shot? Or is it just personnel? Are they actually not as good of a list as everyone thinks they are? Well, all the best players are down because of their... I mean, it's well well known that they didn't get a full pre-season in. A lot of them had surgery and came back to, the, to their pre-season pretty late. Um, it's like your Vines, your Jones, Gorney's had a few issues as well, and a few other players. So I think personally, their best players obviously aren't playing good footy at the moment, whether it's fitness or other reasons. Uh and their second-tier players haven't probably stepped up to where they were last year. So, you know, Harms has probably been good, but has, you know, Melksham stepped up. There's a few other blokes in games like Hannon. Uh, they've also got a pretty decent injury list as well. Um, I think, you know, Jay Kenny-Harris and a few others. And obviously they lost uh, Jesse Hogan, who, yes, he didn't play a lot last year, but, you know, he's a 40 to 50 goal, 50 goals a year sort of player, and he... He's good with his ground balls. So I saw the other night they're one of the worst teams now with uh, loose ball guests in their four line. And, you know, that, 
that means that the ball's hitting the deck and it's coming out. And when you're in, you know, rebound 50s, that's when they can cut you open a bit when you're not set up behind the footy. So, yeah, there's a few things like that. And just blokes all fine for the same ball. There might be a bit of uh, players, you know, self-preservation. They're all looking for the cheap one at the back or they're just standing there putting their hands up. So, and, you know, I can tell you even at local footy, if a bloke's standing there putting his hand up and you kick it on top of his head, the way teams set up these days, it's the easiest... Easiest thing for an inset mark to do. So, yeah, you mentioned that. You mentioned they're inside the 50s. And they are basically in the top four teams are inside the 50s. So they seem to have no issue with getting the ball forward. Is that a good building block, which some people are saying? Or is that actually just teams realising that if they're going to hit in spot-up kicks, these high floaters that you can just set up, play a two-on-one against the guy putting his hand up, yep. play isolated defence, and then rebound hard on them, would you almost play a sag defence like Geelong does wait for them and then counter them even if it is you know well, three metres off your goal line that's what that's what all the teams did they just waited for them to boot it in and that's what they Geelong did and Essendon and then Essendon played to their strengths they used their pace and so the teams that have beaten Melbourne so far Port played on it all, all costs uh, Geelong have revamped themselves and you know that pressure that, that full ground pressure they got they sagged defence and they've added some pace through midfield now with, you know because Sal was pushed out in the wing and Danger you know not in there as much as well as Ablett and on the weekend, you know, Essendon were just able to do what they want. And even, you know, blokes sat, this defenders sagging off. So a lot's been made of, uh, you know, Frost and McDonald at the other end having poor games. But it doesn't help when it's getting, like, you know, yes, they got beaten in one-on-ones by some smaller blokes and it's been going over. But when it's getting walked through the midfield mm. without any pressure, it makes life as a defender pretty hard. So, there's, yeah, work rate issues and... Like I said, effort and work rate is the number one thing you can't fault. I think if you want, if you can watch your team, like you watch a Gold Coast at the moment, they're out there, they're cracking in. St Kilda, they're out there cracking in. Like you can't fault their effort and intensity and their defence. You know, they're doing all the one percenters. As you look at Melbourne on Friday night, you're thinking that these blokes even give a shit. So, well, speaking of one percenters. What do you reckon that Melbourne rank in one percenters? The one actual of the, stat. One of the worst. They are the worst. And they trail by... Well, they were three rounds in, and they trail by 31% acts yeah. already in the season, three rounds in. If you actually look at what I define as quantifiable pressure acts, so tackles, one percenters, uh, and those kind of things per disposal, they also rank in the bottom uh, quarter of the, of the league for that as well. So, they, yes, they do tackle, but everything else other than that, they don't do much of. And it's basically, if they don't win the ball at the source, they don't win it back ever. And they've still got that problem of you know, outside run, so they get get the footy in you know in the congestion, and they've got no one to give it to, no speed. See all this noise about Steve May, and he then they blame Gold Coast. How about you just also to blame Gold Coast, say he wasn't up to scratch, and then have guys have a, have a whole team, a whole twenty two that doesn't look like they're fit enough to apply pressure at any stage of a game for long periods of time. Kind of says, well, maybe you're conditioning program isn't that crash shot either it's just passing the buck and some, a lot of teams need to just go alright he rocked up and Steve Maynes I rocked up he said I rocked up yeah but I he blamed the previous club well mm. hang on a minute come on but don't, you're not there over no. Christmas break a little bit of less pudding a yeah. few more K's and even Rancy's come out and said this about Lynch as well like oh he's un, undeveloped well yeah we all know Gold Coast were backwards for the first five to ten years hmm. in the comp and it's only been the last 18 months they've started to turn it around and that's because the AFL stepped in and put people in place to do it properly but it's not I know Richmond in, in, you know, have lost the last few as well but these clubs that look to blame other people just need to look internally and go alright let's just suck it up he rocked up badly let's not make a big deal of it because they've already got enough media pressure on them so why do that stuff and then you know, Gold Coast have won Two games. Melbourne have won, what, none? None. So, <laughs> who, who looks like the bigger idiot? Absolutely. So, if I was Melbourne, I'd be... Look, look to freshen up maybe this week. Um, I know the teams have been announced. Uh, I think Proust is in, which makes absolute sense for me. Uh, it gives them another big target up for it. It's a smaller ground, so it won't get rebounded as much. Billy stretches in, which is good. You know, he's a young kid, he's got lots of pace. Uh, might add it something a bit different. I would have liked them to see him throw one or two more younger kids in just to freshen them up a bit. They just need to, yeah, just relax and you know, bring that effort and intensity. If they bring that effort and intensity and have a red up crack on Friday, on Thursday night, even if they lose, at least you can go, all right, they've had a crack. 
if Melbourne play, you know, bring that bring that style of footy last year, which got them in, you know, just outside the top four or in the top four, then they're going to be up there again. They've got some serious. So that's my that's my final question. Yeah, really, some is serious A grade talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think they are they playing finals. They have one, but if they lose this week, no. That simple. Yeah, because you can't. Oh, you know, there's, Sydney's done it before. It has been done before. It has and been done before. Everyone has said constantly that this list is too good to miss. It is. So then, so it was, really, you're, you're it should be midfield. until they're statistically impossible to make finals, you're, there should still be a chance. They're arguably they? the best ruckman in the game, but he's obviously not 100%. Yeah. They've got the best defender in the game is playing forward. It's funny that all these media outlets now are starting to, who cover footy have been saying what I've been saying for the last 12 months. Play your best defender where he should be playing in defence. And I really, I know they're struggling to kick goals, but I hope they change up their structure a little bit on, on tomorrow night and they put him down back, put him on buddy, make a statement and let your small forwards go to work because I think their small forward line could work and just and let Petraka be one out in the goal square. Be like what Rowan's doing at the moment for Geelong. Uh, let it, you might only get 10 or 15 touches, but I'll tell you what, he'll kick four or five goals. He'll probably start one or two others as well. We'll just let him one out, let him be that big bull in, in, in your Ford 50. Let Wiedemann hit up high on the ground uh, and just play the other smalls around, around him. So, you know, your Melksham's and stuff like that. But I think, I think they've got good enough game style, definitely got good enough players. They need to win this week to have any chance. They just need to bring that bit more defensive pressure, the pressure around the footy. And to be fair, I think the SCG, with how small it is, might, and you know the style of footy that Sydney play, might actually suit him a bit. Melbourne's not dead yet. I would have thought you'd been very upset with them. You would have crossed the big red line through them, but you oh, sound a little bit bullish on them. Look, Melbourne are on my... They're on the top of my shit list for many reasons, punting being one of them, and probably the, the main reason why <laughs> they're there. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're almost... If they lose this Thursday, then I'm not talking about them. I know I've already made this threat, but you know we've got to talk about them because obviously they're, they're big news. And, and I, I wanted to go hard. I wanted to you know really lash out at them, but there's no point because at the end of the day, people want to hear about how they can fix it. Yeah, and they, they want the numbers and they want to see will this team make finals. And it seems like if if they win this week, they can. So we'll move on from there. You got one last chance, Moen. One last last chance after the last chance we gave you last week. Speaking of another team that apparently is on their last legs, if you believe the media, and I reckon. You're a bit two ways on this. I reckon outwardly amongst your football nuffy mates, you are reveling in what is currently the bonfire that is a Richmond Football Club. But I think deep down inside, you know they're not cooked. Is it time to throw the baby out of the bathwater and completely change how Richmond play footy? Or is the actual honest truth that the four blokes are now missing, their big four, which haven't gone missing collectively since round three of 2008? Every game since then have had at least one of Rance, Rewalt, Cochin, and Martin. Yeah. You lose the engine in a car, the car won't start. Use your key back, probably your key forward, your two, your better midfielders. Your two better midfielders. Now, the problem is though is that everyone else in Richmond's not playing very Richmond-like football, and so if you look at the numbers, they're down on what they used to be their trademark. So they're down on their manic ball pressure. They're in the bottom quarter of the league for that currently. They're down on their aggressive ball movement. They used to be a very efficient team that had a very low disposals per inside 50 entry. The moment now they're playing more like a tempo-type football team, trying to get kick marks, but they're not getting high enough, dis- high enough disposals. So uncontested disposals in the competition currently, they're last. Clearances, they're last. Marks, they're in the bottom four. So they, they, they can't play tempo football. They haven't played tempo football for, yeah, two, for two seasons. They can't get the handle on either. And they can't get the footy either. So what do you do? How do you fix the problem? Because everyone goes, the season's cooked. I think, again, you look at the depth of talent, and yes, it doesn't exist outside probably the 30, but there's enough there to finish top eight. I just reckon blokes need to stand up. But how do you do that? Like, you're the coach. You, you're down to... You've lost your four best players. Well, how do you tell the blokes to stand up? What do you just say that? No, we don't, sometimes you don't need to. If you look at Freeman on the weekend, they obviously lost five, and... Brad Hill said, you know, we needed to stand up. It was after the game, he goes, our leaders needed to stand up. We needed to pick up the slack. We didn't last week, and we knew internally that we needed to do it. Ross gave us a bit of a rev up at three-quarter time, and we got the job done. At the moment, you've got a bloke like Dusty Martin, who should be a leader, 
should be, you know, going, all right, boys, jump on my shoulders. I'm taking you for a ride. Now, should he though? Because you have, you've, you've probably coached players, again, especially guys who are a lot long, younger than Dusty, who are in that 80, 90 year olds, that are great to elite footballers, but aren't leaders. Yeah. They're just there to play footy. Yeah. I, I've, I've never seen anything about Dusty that makes him look like a leader. He's an accidental role model now, and I've been clipped already in responses to my other media commitments for saying that he shouldn't have done what he did on the weekend, and I'll stand by that, because if you get paid the big bucks, and you're going to want to have all the contracts and have be on, be on billboards with bonds, bonds under yeah. his own, you have a responsibility not to act like a deal when you get tagged. I'm sorry, but if he went from being very recluse, and then he took all, the, all this money on, and he's taken all this responsibility on... He needs to be able to live with that. Mm. So, but for me, he needs to be... Like, but he... I wouldn't... If I was Dimmer, I'm not looking to Dusty to be the, the, the engine room leader on match day. No, but you're putting it on him to step up. Yeah, he needs to go back to getting 30 touches and kicking yeah, two goals. Yeah, and you need, he needs to work harder. And he, maybe you're playing forward a bit more. Get it? So he breaks that tag. He, he's a dangerous forward. He could be a 50, 60 goal a year forward. You look at Goey, he's in that, in that type. Well, push Lynch up the ground and let, let Martin go forward and let him play with that freedom. And if he's getting tagged and if he's having limited effect, change it up a bit. So just make a few different changes. Probably, you definitely need blokes like Prestia standing up. Yeah, Caddy back this week, but he probably won't be 100%. You know, Nank played a really good game first up. Hasn't been that great the last two weeks. Grimes comes back this week, which is really good. You've got some injuries to key players. Mm. The good thing about it was you saw, you've seen Sydney stack, you've seen uh, Bolter. So it gives the fans something to get excited about. And I, I don't think you're that far away. I think once you get a few blokes back, like, you know, Cochin's only a couple of weeks away, Rewalt's only a couple of weeks away, Martin will be back in a week. Obviously, Rance is probably, he's done for the year, or mm. he might be back for finals. But he's done. For he's the done year. for the year. You're going to get you know, Hawley and those sorts of blokes are out injured. Then you get most of them back over the next few weeks. And I think you'll start to see Richmond come together again. You know, Higgins probably needs a lift as well. But you saw last year when you brought a couple of blokes in like Higgins, it, it changed the atmosphere of the team. It, you know, it, it, a big excitement, you know, a bit of youthfulness and stuff like that. And you've already got Sydney Stack and, and Bolter in there. If you can get that nucleus back together by, you know, around six or seven and you know, one and six, you've got those players floating in and out and just adding a bit more excitement and, you know, the, gives the fans something to cheer for. I think, I think Dimmer's game plan is still okay. Uh, probably needs some slight adjustments. Does it still stack up in a six-six-six environment though? Because they were again the most most common in, uh, formation was to have two behind the ball, yeah, alls and clearances to run through, and to have that to have essentially Rands floating and then another mid holding midfielder as a seventh. I think, I think you're seeing like clearances, scoring from clearances gone up, and obviously centre bounce scoring has mm. gone up. So you, you see teams like North Melbourne struggling with it. Uh, Port Adelaide struggled with it on on uh, Saturday night, especially in that last quarter. There are teams taking full effect of this six six six, and probably Richmond aren't just yet. And that's you know because Martin hasn't been as influential. You know, Preston's struggling a bit. You haven't got Caddy in there. You know, coming in and getting those clearances, quick kick four. Is there anything you can do though, tactically, to plug those gaps? Because that's so again, ideally, well, you, you, you don't you don't you don't you walk. Got rid of all your depth though. Yeah, but dude, you don't want to you don't want to walk into like this weekend and just go. This is a loss. We're we're, we're missing our four best players. We're gonna lose. We're already losing clearances by plenty every game. How do you how do you kind of try and square the center clearance contest and the source ball contest so you can say if we work hard, tackle hard, and endeavor hard, we can go back to being a front half turnover team. But how do you do that once? Because once you kick the goal, it resets, and then the yeah. problem's still there. I think. I'll be bringing in Shy Bolton and, and obviously Josh Caddy because Shy, Shay, sorry, adds a bit pretty quick and he's a, he's a forward. Um, you know, do you bring in a Jack Ross who's, you know, been good for your, for your VFL team and again adds that a bit more liveliness and youthful exuberance? Look, I think you definitely need to start winning it more. I don't know, you've got the stats there. Where are you, where are you lining up with contested ball at the moment? We're a mid table team, contested yeah. ball. Yeah. So just under average, about we're minus five every each game, and then the clearance is the number one where we're we're down by about ten a game at the moment. So that's probably something you need to. I mean, if you look at the teams who are up there with contested footy and clearances, they're probably the teams winning more games of footy at the moment, aren't they? They are, except with the exception of Melbourne. So it's yeah. Fremantle, Geelong, and Port Adelaide. Yeah, a streaks ahead in contested ball, and I 
top clearance teams are Port Adelaide and Melbourne. So Melbourne's the exception to the rule there, which is why I think people shouldn't rule out Melbourne. Yeah. The concern there is, though, that the style of footy that we see winning games in the very short... Is quick play on. Is quick play on yeah. stuff that Richmond can't do because they don't have the players now. Yeah. Well, they could... Again, this week... Yeah. I'm probably going to tip Richmond this week just because I think they've had that pressure and Dim is very good at getting them up. And there's a, you've got some, still got some very good players in that team that should you know, be playing probably another 10 to 15% better than they are. I've mentioned Prestia a few times. Nate probably needs to step up. You know, Lynch has now had three games to get some fitness up and play some good footy. Yet Grimes back this week. Uh, yeah, so I'm still not ruling you out. I don't think I don't think you're in as dire situations what um, Melbourne's in. And I think like your surge forward sort of game style probably won't be as as effective as it once was because you haven't got the players running through from behind the footy to, to set you up defensively if the other team does get it. And obviously you haven't got the intercept marker and Rance anymore. Um, and he's hard to replace so you might need to change yourself a little bit but I think overall Richmond is still in good shape especially in you know, four or five weeks if they can just maintain an even win-loss record and get a few other things right like, do they play finals? yeah they'll play finals can they compete for a premiership from outside the top four? Oh, yeah you've got a team like that of course you can especially if Lynch keeps playing for the rest of the year I mean, he's only going to get better if more football he plays. So, there you go, Richmond fans. Don't believe the hype media. The numbers suggest that there's improvement to be made and the players will be back soon. Speaking of numbers, there's just one hoodoo that Collingwood can't get over, and that's the West Coast Eagles. I think West Coast have now beaten you three times in a row at the MCG. One of those was the grand final. One of those was last Saturday night. And uh, probably the best man to quote is Nathan Buckley, the coach of the team, and he probably said it best. It's been pretty consistent the way they've beaten us. We get off to a good start. They grind their way back into it, and then they grind us out. We were outgrunted after quarter time. Yep. And the scary part is, is that so West Coast, the running premiers, their method, other than the jet lag they f- uh, faced in round one, stacks up to the new rules. And Collingwood plays the same style as, as West Coast. So what West Coast don't really dominate in any of your traditional metrics so they're like well under in disposals they're well under in contested disposals yeah well it helps me kick along down the line to they kick... like Darling and exactly. Kennedy so it's and just... Oscar Allen and bloody you know who else is down the Vardy and you got McGovern at the other end just picking off balls and Shepard and like, they've got a bloody good list and they smash us in the, the last three games they've absolutely smashed us in the midfield and especially on the spread and just disp- and hitting targets like we butchered a bit and mm. they've just been clean and when they get out they're they're out they're away they're a lot quick, I think they're a lot quicker than us through the midfield which doesn't help uh, you know Gaff, Shuey uh, Yo um, but they're, they're, they're not slow no not at all so, so once they get it out they kill us and you know Hutchings taken our midfielders to, you know for a bath the last few times and Levi's been found wanting so um, yeah it's up to our midfield to step up and that's I'm not really worried, to be fair. In, in the long run, I think we're playing good enough footy. There's still a few things we need to sharpen up on, but I, I came to a grand final again this year. I'd, I'd hopefully think that our midfielders can do the work, and I think we miss Varco a lot on uh, Saturday night. He's a, you know, again, he only gets 10 or so possessions, but boy, he puts some big hits on and lots of forward pressure, and I think we lack that, and... Talking about you know some youthful coming in, I think it's time for Greenwood, uh, Josh Thomas, maybe even Stephenson, um, just to spend a week back in the resies and even Aisha or a Phillips, you know, just to give him a bit of a wake up call. And I know uh, Nathan Murphy's out injured and Quain is in his first year of footy, but give Dacos and Brown and uh, I don't think Crocker's up to it, but give a few of our other blokes, you know, been on the list of the last couple of years. Sire, I know he's injured now. But just give him a run, give him extended game time, you know, five or six games, so here's your chance to grab it. Because I know when um, we won the flag last time, Moldhouse did that halfway through the year with like blokes like Meadow, Snow Bree, and you know, even like Burns and Lockyer and stuff like that. He got showed them the door a bit and brought in some younger blokes and like Jared Blair and stuff like that. We we won a flag, so I think there's a lot to say. You know, you look at West Coast have brought in a few younger blokes, uh, Geelong have brought in a few younger blokes. The teams that are up there at the moment. Uh, have a lot of probably brought in three to four to five players through the system who are young 
ready to go. They've played a bit of VFL footy or their first year players who want to step up. Like look at Port Adelaide, for example. They want to show what they're about. And I just, I think that, you, especially early in the year, can really get a team up and going and, and kick off their season well. I think the teams that haven't been doing that, so like Collingwood, uh, Melbourne, you know, you can see why they haven't probably won as many games at the moment. Sydney's another one that hasn't mm. really, you know, brought any youth in. So I think it's just something teams should probably look at. So game plan wise, there's been lots to say about how you beat the Pies, and that's what West Coast did. And pretty much every footy show this this week is done and broken that down. How do you beat West Coast? So how do you beat a team that kicks it and marks it more than anyone else? Because it means that you can't you can't tackle a team that marks the ball. Twice as much as anyone else. What did I say to you, Jim? I heard a very good AFL football and a very, very, very good AFL coach say that marking is the most important thing in in, in football. Mm. They it's, can't take the ball off you if you mark it. You. I think you've got to win it first. And that's where it's at. We've got to win the footy first and be clean with it and then keep the footy off them. Use our hit-ups. Don't bomb long. Uh, we, need, we just need to be smarter going forward, I think. We need someone to take um, McGovern out of the game would be handy. <laughs> But yeah, I think we've got to essentially beat their midfield. If we can beat their midfield, which we've done for parts of games, which is you know blown them wide open, but we just can't do it long enough to win the game. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I think it's not there's not too much between us to be honest. They've just been cleaner for longer, doing the basics better than what we have for longer in games, and that's why they've won. And then also, would you then, if you're Buckley, do you start going and projecting towards the future and go, cool, we're going to finish probably top four? hasn't been the greatest start to the season but you could probably bank on finishing top four do I try different things now for the sake of beating West Coast in finals no. or do you just go this is our brand and we'll deal with that in the future keep your system because like I said you'll, you know, Stephenson will probably start playing better footy hopefully soon Will Hossman comes in uh, Varco comes in and then there's all of a sudden a bit of speed there and I think yeah I think we'll be alright all right. Talking of teams, that will be all right. Let's have a little long-term investment chat about the teams that have actually been doing all right this season. So, so far, if we look at the favourites, according to the bookmakers for the flag, guess who is still the favourite? Collingwood. Collingwood at $5 for some strange reason after being... The Collingwood fans are in back in us, obviously. Yes. And then you have Geelong at $5 as well, equal favourites. West Coast at five fifty, and GDOS at $9. And then it starts getting pretty lengthy. So out of those teams, probably the top four, who would you be backing long-term for the Premiership odds? West Coast. And uh, also considering the cash that is available for nearly every bookmaker now on these future odds. Yeah, West Coast. Five fifty. it seems... Why aren't they favourites? Because they're not in Melbourne. Because it just seems ridiculous. No, they like They are the clearly whole... the best... They are clearly the strongest list and probably, playing the best footy. They'll probably get Nick Nat back for the end of the year. Mm. That helps him and Vardy. Uh, yeah, if the young kids keep playing the way they're playing, then, you know, like, that Oscar Allen, like, seriously, like, has pulled him out. And he's, I mean, Liam Duggan hasn't played yet. Um, they've still got Will Schofield and Venables who played last year in the flag. They play enough at Perth. We've seen them travel here, beat us. Uh, they did a good job on GWS the other week as well. We were in that mix. Yeah, it's, I, I seriously think it's them probably, you know, good six lengths away. Us, and we're probably one and a half to a one length away from Geelong, GWS. And then it's, I think there's another gap between Geelong and GWS. Maybe they're peaking too early or will peak too early, but... They're pretty. I watched them on Saturday night. And I watched them against GWS, and they look pretty clinical at the moment. And it's a and it's a different style of of game style where peaking too early probably isn't a problem for them. It's very similar to the three P teams of Hawthorne, where it is that they're just at another skill level, and that is due to their players, and then obviously just their their training. So a lot of the time, like if you're a very defensive team, then that's that's structure based and that's effort based, and that can run out, and that ran out on Richmond last year. Yeah. It just becomes tiring to be chased and does, have to do yeah. that so long. But if you're a kick mark chain team like a Hawthorne in the three P, like a West Case, zones. you just shift the zones. You just transfer the footy. You wait until the other team with their final pressure drops off. Yeah. Then you hit them and then you score against them yeah. and then you go again. You keep shifting and you can do that all year long. Yeah. You can do that every game, all day, every day, every round. And so it, they're going to be a scary team to try and beat. And it helps when you look at all those teams that have been successful playing that style. They've all had some very good key forwards that can, you know bail out to. Like so you got. Kennedy and, and uh, Darling and Oscar Allen. You know, Hawthorne had you know, Ruffy and um, Buddy. 
uh, you know, Brisbane had Buddy Lynch, Brayshaw, and um, Jonathan Brown. You know, so they've all got some mm. pretty handy. On that, what do you reckon uh, West Coast goal accuracy has been this year? Oh, off the top of my head, probably sixty percent. Yeah, fifty nine point three percent. The league average is forty six. Yeah. So they and, and, you know, so not only are they great at kicking the ball around the field, yeah. they just tee up their forwards and they go, "Cool, that's a goal. Let's yeah. do it again." It's a very hard team to beat. Some other little tasty bets before we move on to the previews. West Coast to lead after round eight is paying $5. They play Geelong in round six. So Geelong currently on top of the ladder. And West Coast to lead after round 11 is also paying $5 with Geelong uh, fading out a little bit there to three. So that round six game between Geelong and West Coast at Cadinia Park could prove to be a little bit of a like prelim preview. Um, but more importantly, will have some effects on who's at the tippy top of the ladder coming into the almost halfway mark of the year. So watch those spaces. But yes, definitely invest some little cash at, at West Coast. Those odds won't change until the end of the round. So you can even wait until they, to watch Geelong lose maybe, watch uh, West Coast win, and then, uh, yeah, get that 550 and then cash out as it shortens up later on. It's time to do what we're here to do every week, our round four AFL preview. I'm going to start with our upset alerts. And we've been talking about both these teams. They'll be down at Cadinia Park on a Saturday afternoon. Geelong are, of course, $1.38 favourites against a very classy-looking GWS who are quite lengthy, $2.90 outsiders. The line here, 15.5, the over-under, 165. Everyone's talking up Geelong. Everyone's pouring some money into Geelong except for one bloke, their head coach, who says, nah, not us. We're not even that good. What are you talking about? 3-0, just a number. Behavioural economics. All the cliches that the Scott brothers love to use in their presses. Uh, meanwhile, the Giants looked very, very slick with your uh, favourite key forward, Mr. Jamie Cameron. Who you'd love to give a couple of clips. Uh, prove what he can do with seven goals last week. 30 touches too. 30 touches, seven goals. Who wins this game, Bats, and why? I know I can trust Geelong, especially at home. You, you think they should win, but I don't know why, but I'm really tempted to pick uh, GWS here. Well, I'll tell you why, because they're paying uh, $2.90, so there's healthy, healthy value there. So the interesting thing here is this is a Styles Makes Fights contest. So Geelong has based most of their success so far this season off effort and dirty footy. So they're leading contested possessions to the competition at the moment. They're a top-four tackle team. And then they're all just about pace and run, which is very different to Geelong teams of old. And as you said, they've gone they've gone to the youth well. They've finally decided to change things around with their midfield. And they're actually, yeah, they've gone back to speed at the centre and then class around the edges. The Giants, though, do the opposite. They're, they're following that West Coast model of kick-mark chains, controlling the footy, being extremely clean. Well, Kelly might not play as well, so that's mm. it, a big out for them. And, you know, Constable, Menengola, Stewart... Duncan, Dalhouse, they're all perfect. They're all chipping in. No, no, it's a bit like um, Richmond when they're, they're going well. All their, all their mids get 20-odd possessions. No one gets over 30 except for really dusty. Where, you know, Paddy got 30 last week. It was all the rest between, you know, 17, 22, 23, the next 10. So, and even look at Selwood, he's taken a real step back and, you know, he's handling a bit more. He's, you know, only had 16 touches, sits more outside. Yeah, I really like some of their bloke, Connor, uh, Clark. Yeah, they're a good team, but I just think that the class of GWS, I think, I think they're starting to turn a corner GWS, which is, I know they got thumped by West Coast for weeks ago, but I was over at Perth, and I think they won't be the only decent team to go over there and get thumped this year. So, uh, Do we draw any stock into their history? So last time they met, they, did, they did, got an absolute number done on them. Geelong, 14 goals, 9, 93, defeated the Giants, 4 goals, 8, 32. That was a night game at Virginia Park, and this is an afternoon one. So it was last year, was it? Yes. Yeah. GWS were struggling a bit, though, around early last year. Yes, and there were a lot more injuries. Yeah. They were in a much worse shape. I think this year is showing, with an open, more open midfield, that skill is going to beat Will most times or not. Yeah. So if you're a pressure-based team coming up against a skill-based team, the skill-based team has the advantage, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's why I'm... So we're picking the Giants. Jesus, how did uh, how did old mate uh, Sausage Mumford go last week? He actually went pretty good. Did yeah. I didn't get to watch a lot of their game. Obviously, we were... I reckon Sausage Mumford uh, might do a bit of a number on Reece Stanley. 
Rich Stanley's been going alright, hasn't he? He has, but the Mumford's a bit of a different beast. Yeah, Rich Stanley, obviously, at Riley O'Brien was the first game, but Rich Stanley towed him up. He's towed up Grundy. Mm-hmm. He uh, towed up Maxi Gorn. Could uh, Rich Stanley finally be reaching that potential that everyone spoke about at St Kilda? And, you know, and, and why, you know, Geelong now gave, have that... up, gave up a bit mm-hmm. to get him and now, now they're having a good run at it and obviously with, you know, the younger players as well. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm tipping GWS, though, I think, and I might have a crack at it. Yeah, Absolutely. The value there is too much, and uh, I, I just think going for I've been harping on it. Geelong's backs, I'm still not sold on, especially when they come against a decent ball using team and a decent forward line. Our second upset alert for the week, we mentioned it before. Port Adelaide absolutely flying at the moment. Are a dollar twenty nine favourites at the Adelaide Oval against the struggling Richmond Tigers, who are three dollar forty five outsiders. The line here is a whopping twenty six points. The over-under, uh, a very down at 167. Power lost to Brisbane last week, but then come in raising favourites to Richmond. And we've spoken about Richmond's woes in the, in the previous segment on the podcast. Whilst the Power are ex- like explosive and quite fast team, they aren't, they aren't that clean. They're not slick slick users of the ball. They're not in that GWS West Coast kind of they've strata. Got a, they've got, they're a decent side in terms of usage. A lot of young players. And a lot of young players. But it, this would be a team where... This would be a uh, game... This would be a game where Dimmer could say to his fringe players and his outside players get this opportunity to play now. So hit them hard, hit them up front, and we can we can win this. Well, you got Robbie Gray and um, Rockcliffe under injury clouds with shoulder and concussion. Uh, whilst it's been amazing for them, you got those players that always come in and out of the game, like your Motlops and your Burn Jones. You also got Ryan Burt who's starting to play. You know, he played some decent footy last week. Obviously, sound power, Pepe. You know what you get from him. They've just had to travel up to Brisbane. Tough conditions, dewy conditions in a high-scoring, high-intensity game. After fly back to Adelaide, obviously it's a home ground, so they, they're fine with that. They play Richmond, who are under the pump. They get back, you know, Grimes and probably a Caddy and maybe one or two others. And I think, you know, like I said, uh, Dimmer's been at them all week. They would have done their homework. Uh, they'd be for, if their pressure's up and about. With the style that uh, Port Adelaide have been playing the last few weeks or since the start of the year, and they put some pressure on them, make them turn it over. We saw what Carlton were able to do to them for a quarter and a half, half a game of footy. Mm-hmm. If Richmond can sustain that, I think Richmond are uh, definitely upset of the week. Yeah, I agree with that. And all of the game style metrics you mentioned there are proven the stats as well. So Port Adelaide a super low kick to handball ratio. They love to handball. They love to get those chains out of, out of the out of the source. They're a massive contested ball team, so they're not going to try and take marks, not going to try and play tempo footy. So if you are going to up your pressure, and Richmond have been really low on tackles so far this season, so that could be the one thing that Dimmer just goes in and goes, at quarter time, I want us to be winning the tackle count. I want to be winning it at half time. I want to be winning it at three-quarter time and back themselves to score off front half turnovers. It's definitely a game style that's susceptible to Richmond's trademark pressure game. And so, yeah, again, a huge value, over three bucks, that's definitely the play. And then Richmond to cover the line as a safety. So you've got the insurance they have a dollar ninety bet for them to be within four goals, which seems reasonable. I think, I and mean, then you've also got just the straight-up head-to-head. I think Lynch is due as well. So Irukit would kick, what, six last week? Mm-hmm. Before McKay and McGovern kicked a couple each. So their tall defenders probably aren't, uh, you know, really top-notch or up to it yet. You know, McStay kicked a couple and, you know, big Oscar took that big mark as well at the end. I think, yeah... I think Richmond have enough, and if they're up for it, they're, they're going to trouble Port, especially if uh, one of Gray or, or uh, Rockcliffe don't play. You know, they're, they're very reliant. Half the team of young players are very reliant, and they've played some good footy so far the first three weeks. But we've seen in previous seasons, happened to the Doggies. Yeah, it's, it's, happened to, it's happened to Port before. It's happened to Brisbane. Off. They have to drop off. The, yeah. the young guys can't maintain these workloads. For, for long and they've been their time. better players for most of the year, mm. so you know, I, and I'm, yeah, I just think that this is the week Richmond b- bounce back. So so far, we've got two two pretty big upsets happening, and uh, it could be could be trouble for us this week, in the Timmy. That's all right. There's still seven more games to go, so we'll jump onto our short things, and that's Friday night. Collingwood are a dollar twenty favourites against the Western Bulldogs, who are four dollar twenty five outsiders. The line here ridiculous, thirty one points. The over under one seventy. 
So you've been beat up on Saturday night. You've been a little bit beat up in the press, but luckily for you guys, there's been worse teams out there, so you haven't been under the spotlight of being able to unable to get over your hoodoo. And and Bucks has been uh, hammering the midfield publicly. Yep. So he's doing all the right things. Meanwhile, the doggies, their own coach has come out and said, "We drank our own bathwater." They beat they were beaten by Gold Coast for Christ's sake. He said, no, we obviously looked complacent. He says, it was the weirdest press conference of all time where Beverage just comes out and goes, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, we're drinking our own bathwater and got complacent by quarter time. And look, I can see why you think that. So, again, there's issues there that have been still being issues lingering since the Premiership are obviously sometimes still there because after two good performances, one which was lucky against Hawthorne and may have been influenced by the umpires, they've already taken their foot off the gas. So surely you'd think the pies are good enough to get back to their winning ways and go two and two. So Crocker, Brown, Wills, Appleby and Quiner were very good on the, in the BFL on the weekend. So yep. they're, they're all pushing, which is you know, what I was talking about. And, you know, like I said, Thomas and Greenwood, you know, their time might be coming. Uh, Darcy Moore obviously rolled his ankle, but I reckon he'll be right. I think we're going to give him a touch-up. JJ is, might probably come back in for the doggies. Bont obviously hurt his leg last week. Is he going to play? He probably will. But we'll be under you know, some sort of restraint. But boy, if we don't be, I'm going with a mate who I work with every day. It's a mad doggy supporter. Mm-hmm. We've been at each other for the last probably three to four months. We're going the footy Friday night, and I'm very, very confident we'll win. I was pretty confident when we played Richmond that we'd win. I'm pretty confident this week. And uh, I'll tell you what, if we don't win, I think I might be missing for a few weeks. Wow. Because... Uh, I don't know if I can bear him or put up... Oh, my phones will be going off, everything will be going off because he'll be unbearable. But I'm pretty confident our midfield... Like, so you look at... I go back to this a lot, but you look at every line we've gotten covered. Absolutely, yeah. So if we turn up and play you know, decent footy, bring that intensity and effort um, and play some good footy like we did against Richmond and parts against West Coast, I think we're, we've got them covered. Absolutely. And the only way the doggies really get... Any good clean ball from clearances is by sharking, sharking the, t- the hitouts. Yeah, they're dead, dead last well, in hitouts. Well, and you would have thought that Granny will absolutely if Granny feast doesn't, if Granny on doesn't English. smash English. Then if Granny has a oh, Granny should have a day out. To be fair, and blokes like Darcy Moore and Hound and stuff should have days out as well. I know, you know, obviously being a smaller team, the doggies do lower their eyes a bit. But if they ever, if they try to kick it to Norton Long or whatever, like they should be done. Norton and Billy Gower should be worrying us as a defence and our four line should be plenty worrying the doggies at the moment especially if you know Gold Coast can outscore them and uh, yeah yeah surely we knock them off absolutely do you cover the line over 30 points uh, I wouldn't be touching that I'd, I'd be pretty confident of a 3-4 to four goal win because uh, Collingham never really smash any teams do we not really haven't for a very long time alright moving on the team that now should be referred to until otherwise noticed, the North Hobart Kangaroos, are $2.40 outsiders, home outsiders, to Adelaide, who are $1.55 favourites. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here, 8.5, the over-under of fairly high, 181.5, especially for an Adelaide team that's been playing without a forward line. We'll keep this one brief because uh, one of these teams is in the cone of silence, Baz, but can Adelaide's forward line finally find some goals, or is it time as you suggested for a couple of other teams, that they start freshening up that big four. That's They're one of the teams, along with us, and you know, they need to freshen up a bit. They need to, you know, big techs. Betts, I said this last year, Betts is on, on the decline. I love him, great player, don't get me wrong, but his influence on games is starting to wane. Is, is it, obviously, he's still capable, but I wouldn't be, not putting all, I wouldn't be, I'll be starting to rest him and build him up. So you can play, you know, three or four games and then probably have a week or two off. Just manage him through a season where he can be more influential. And yeah, you just need to bring in some young blokes. Like, and they, again, they lack no, they've got no speed. And now they've got Seedsman as well, relying on Smith and Atkin to, to, you know, be that speed. We spoke about their back line round one after Dode went down. That's very same, same. Not a lot of, you know, creativity about it. Uh, and honestly, they're a bit boring and a bit bland and they need to mixed up a bit as for North they need to win some stoppages they need to win some clearances they need to stop being scored against in the clearances so Hawthorne only got uh, scored like two points against the Doggies from clearances uh, in that game and then they went to score over 50 against North so 
when they've got one of the best uh, inside mids in the game, Cunnington, and obviously that uh, player that gets talked up a lot in Zeeble, uh, and Goldstein and Campbell rucking, you'd think they'd be better than what they are. You would have thought so, but yeah, the numbers aren't pretty reading for North. And it's just a weird, it's a weird game style. So it's slow ball movement, and then it's high and slow inside 50. They are, they're ranked last in disposals per inside 50, so they've ballooned out to almost eight now. Um, which is well over the average. And they just love to handball as well. So they overpossess from the source. They're easy to tackle. They're easy to pressure at the source. They're easy to defend against with their entry kicks. And they're easy to score against because they don't have that much pace. So you would have thought that would all lead up to an Adelaide win, except their numbers are pretty poor as well. So they're the second worst kick to handball ratio. They love to handball as well. They go real slow. They're third last with the marks inside 50, despite having three big tools who are elite apparently yeah. and uh, their goal accuracy is the worst in the league for these guys that are meant to be dead eye key forwards well Brown's getting sat in his head a lot more and he's not a big overhead contested mark no. and uh, again we, we mentioned that about two weeks ago I think but the media's running on it this week uh, and Tom Campbell's on a second forward no. and it hits the deck and comes out straight away so they've got two big lumbering blokes to do nothing a very important start is uh, loose ball gets inside 4.50 and defensive 50 and it's going to become a bit more in vogue I reckon this year and uh, something that North Melbourne are no good at. Yes. So Adelaide to cover do you think or just Adelaide to tip and win? I'm just going to tip Adelaide. I'm not touching the game with a 40 foot barge pole because it's one of those ones where I wouldn't be surprised if North came out and beat them by 10 goals. Yeah. I think they did it was it last year year before uh, they, came, they came out and when Adelaide were flying, I think it was the year Adelaide made the granny. Adelaide were flying and North beat them by 10 goals down at Hobart. So it could be one of those games. Moving on to the Western Derby. West Coast are a eleven odds. About the same odds that Winks will be running in her last race this weekend. Frio, a whopping six bucks. The line here is six goals. The over-under, 160. Is there any chance at all no, that a fifeless Frio can beat West Coast? No, West Coast win, and I reckon that under-over is a bit low. Reckon overs at one sixty, unless it's unless it's pissing out rain. West Coast will flog. I've that Frio played better football at Optus, but they were they weren't that great last week, and they were pretty ordinary against uh, Gold Coast week four. Their round one is form shows that it was only North Melbourne, and a lot of teams have been uh, probably able to do that this year. To North, yeah, West Coast will flog them. Would you say that they're going to cover? Uh, Which will be about 40 plus by the time we get to the game on Saturday? Could, but I'd, I'd be looking at over 160 and uh, West Coast to win. Same game multi, West Coast win over 160. and Gaff to, uh, to get more than 30 or JK to get more than three goals? Uh, probably Freo scores 61-75. Which uh, your favourite bet. Favourite bet, mate. Well, when it's, I told you, both Gold Coast and Carlton scored that in that frame. And if you go back, from round one, they're five out of six games to score between 61 and 75 points. If, you, if you're if you a team that struggles to score, like a Fremantle, Carlton, Gold Coast, stuff like that, just three bucks, three fifty is it's money for jam, mate. Sunday afternoon, St Kilda are hosting Hawthorne at Marvel Stadium. St Kilda are the home dogs paying three bucks. Hawthorne, firm favourites are $1.36. The line here is three goals, the over-under one seventy. St Kilda finally got found out on the weekend. I backed him in to win no games, and then they showed why I backed him in to win no games with the performance they put up. And uh, Alan Richardson just said uh, that their opponents were just too good for them early. Um, but we fought hard and got back into the contest. Is that a defeatist attitude, and does that just show that St Kilda aren't going to win that many games for the year? Oh, they're probably going to win more than what we thought. But yeah, again, St Kilda, Gold Coast, Carlton, that's those sort of teams that they're not, they're not going to finish in the finals. They're probably going to finish bottom four to six. But they're at least having a crack, and they were in the game for most of it. They got blown out early, which probably cost them the game in the end. But yeah, Hawthorne are probably too good for it at the moment. It's too much class still, and yeah, I'm tipping Hawthorne. Although it is at Etihad, and I would like to know Hawthorne's uh, record. At Etihad. I probably should have looked this up before I started this pod, but I reckon Hawthorne on the Etihad service don't travel as well as what they do at the MCG, where they can set their zones and. Yeah, they don't like they don't like speed, especially now when they're not at full strength. Yeah, they don't like speed, 
and I don't like smaller fields. So obviously, every small every field is smaller than the MCG. Yeah. Every field is basically faster than the MCG. So I'm going to be closer than what what you think, but I'm just backing Hawthorne in. I'm a tip Hawthorne, so just to win because they they should be beating St Kilda, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get up. So if you're imagining St Kilda to be in that 61 or 75 bracket, the over under here is 170. Do you see? Hawthorne kicking 100 points or do you back the unders at under 170? Probably just go unders but I, I wouldn't be touching this game. No. I'm tipping Hawthorne and then moving on with your moving life. moving on with my life. And as we will as well to our 50-50 picks and it starts tomorrow night. Sydney are $1.65 home favourites at apparently the world's worst football field the SCG. Melbourne are slight outsiders at $2.20. The line here is just one goal the over under an expectedly low 165 now, even Jack Vonnie's come out in the media and said that his players will buy in this week in defence. They're going to actually try. Actually so crap. apparently, the first three weeks was just a big old confusion, big old misunderstanding. They forgot to try. They're going to give it a crack this week. Uh, Sydney did want... We kind of wanted them to do a little bit and, and rely more on blokes like Heaney. So Heaney had an yeah. amazing, basically, a du- the version of a double-double in football terms. And Jonesy went through the and midfield more. Jonesy went through and the midfield more. And didn't bitch and complain when things didn't go his, right, mm. his way. Sorry. And Bunny, you know, was, was actually nullified by Liam Jones and props, props to the battler, that is yeah. Liam Jones. You got one back on your old foe. Um, but they can still win without Buddy, which is a big improvement, even though it is only against Carlton. Does any of that previous three weeks of football give us any of a good read on how to pick this game do you know uh, I saw a, a thing on Triple M footy about Buddy Franklin today he's never lost against Melbourne yeah his last 15 games you know what they say records are meant to be broken oh you're going back to the well Baz this well is dry surely this well is dry I'm 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 tipping Melbourne $2.20 are you value hunting or do you legitimately think that Melbourne are going to beat Sydney I saw it Sydney that good and they didn't, they didn't convincingly beat Carlton. No. It was very close. And no. if Carlton had a kick straight, if, if Harry Mackay goes out and kicks half of it, the shots he should have kicked. If, if Carlton had one or two more experienced polished players, so I think Dow and a few other... One that comes to my show is Dow, where he ran inside 50 and thought he had a lot more time and he got caught holding the footy. Just someone with a bit more experience, a bit more feel for the game, kicks that goal and... Geez, Sydney under the pump. Uh, yeah, I, I don't reckon they're that good. I reckon they're really struggling, and especially the score. I know they scored 90 points against Carlton. That was against Carlton. They lost to Adelaide a couple weeks ago at home. Uh, yeah, Melbourne. To win, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Well, if we break it down, because it's a very contentious pick, if you go line by line, you probably think Melbourne has the better in two of the three. Well, you know both teams aren't. The score, you know, Melbourne did score what, nearly 100 points last week. 90 they points. scored over 100 points yeah, last so. week against Eston. So, Melbourne are going to win the source ball. They're yeah, going to win clearances. It's a tight, They're still a clearance team. They're going to get inside 50s. Tight, They're averaging small, 60 inside 50s. Tight, small ground. It's we've got a bigger, uh, a bigger form line through Sydney at the moment than what we did round two when Melbourne played Geelong. That was, we know what we can get from Sydney. We, we've seen it for, for the last 10 years. We know we're probably going to get from Melbourne as well. And they're going to be fired up. The, the pressure's going to be on really early. It's going to be a heated game. And yeah, I just... I don't know. I'm, for the fourth time this year, I'm tipping Melbourne. So, when you look- I'm looking at all the numbers here in front of us. I'm looking at all the previous history. I don't want to go back to Melbourne. But based on form, based on the stats, based on the players are going to pick, based on the line-by-line analysis, Melbourne should win this game. Now, will Melbourne win this game? We obviously can't tell. We're not fortune tellers. And we can't trust Melbourne. But at $2.20, it's the sensible bet, it's the value bet, and the stats say it should happen. So we're going to the well. Melbourne to beat Sydney at the SCG. Saturday afternoon, Essendon are hosting Brisbane in a 50-50 contest. It's $1.90 each way. They're at the MCG. The over-under here is a whopping 186. Will this be the shootout that we are all expecting? Can we trust Essendon to back it up after obviously Wusha got the boys up for a for a victory? Yeah. And we went to the we went to the emotional well and we know the dangers of that. We've seen it in the history. Can we trust Brisbane to back up after three weeks of good performances, but also they it's, still let out leads. It, and so that's what Essendon came out of the blocks and scored early against Melbourne. And that's it, basically what gave them the win. If Brisbane can send out a lead 
That's not sustainable football. They can't keep on well, pegging back. They, they, didn't, they didn't give up a lead this last week. Actually, you know, Port, uh, they actually led most of the game and then Port came back. Mm. And if it wasn't for the last two and a half minutes, three minutes, you could watch the last three minutes of that game and just go, wow. Because Brisbane went from being 10 points down to 16 points, 17 points up in the space of three, three and a half minutes. And yes, there was a contentious umpire call, but once they get a roll on Brisbane, they are bloody hard to stop and exciting to watch. And I'm tipping Brisbane for the fact that I reckon Fags will get them to the G, say this is where we want to be. There's a lot of, some good leaders there with Robertson and, and Hodge and, and so on. Uh, Rich as well. Like they're, they're, they're building something down there. Charlie Cameron's another one, good leader. They're building something up there, I should say, not down there. <laughs> uh, I think it's, they're going to go through a form slump eventually, but I reckon they've got one or two more weeks in them. Just, and I, I really feel like they're going to come out and have a good win this week. And It might not be as high scoring because you generally see when you have the two high scoring teams go head to head, it doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm not going to punt on this game. I'm just going to tip Brisbane and, and I'll probably watch it because it's going to be bloody exciting because Brisbane will probably let Essendon run and gun because if they can turn it over, then Brisbane will hurt them just as bad the other way. If this is high scoring, this goes in Brisbane's favour and it goes back to the 6-6-6. So Essendon currently are the worst centre clearance team in the comp. Across the three weeks, they've had 14 centre clearances total. Yep. Across the three weeks, Brisbane have had 32. And they score when they go forward. And they score when they go forward off those centre clearances. McCarthy, uh, Cameron, Hipwood, McCluggage, uh, McKerney, uh, McStay, those sorts of blokes, when they get around it, they're very, very dangerous. Mm. And they're still, like, Louis Taylor can't get a game at the moment. You know, there's, they've still got some quality outs as well. And Christian was, you know, one of their better players last year. So they've got some depth. They're starting to build some depth. They're, they're going to be a dangerous team. And, boy, boy, if you haven't watched McCluggage play, get around him because he is, I think he's starting to get some, some kudos. And, obviously... We all know about Lockie Neal. If you knew anything about football, you knew how good Lockie Neal was, and he's also starting to get the uh, recognition he deserves. But, yeah, they're, they're dangerous, and they're going to win this week. Absolutely. And the parting stat to prove that point is, I think these two teams want to play the same style of football. The difference being is that when Essendon run and gun, they have, they're have in the bottom four of disposal efficiency, so they're under 70%. And then they don't, because of that, they're not getting the inside 50s and they're not getting the opportunities to score goals. The opposite is that Brisbane are the most efficient ball use team in the competition while still being a high kick team, while still being a high pace team, and they're getting plenty of inside 50s from their usage. If you can be fast, that fast, that free, and still be clean, you're going to be a very hard team to stop. Yep. Add in the center clearance dominance, and despite the fact they're going to the MCG and playing Essendon there for the first time in 10 years... They should definitely get the win. And to round out the weekend, Baz, our last 50-50 is an intriguing one for one thing and one thing only, and we'll get there. We'll get there, Baz. But Gold Coast are $1.65 favourites. I don't remember that ever happening in the history of this podcast. Carlton, $2.20 outsiders. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is a goal. The over-under, a very paltry one fifty-eight, which is very important. But wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. Wait for it. So realistically, if we look at Gold Coast, they could have been 0 3. Probably should have been 0 3. They could have been 3 0. Oh, sorry, they should have been 3 0. Yes, sorry, you're right. They should have been secure around 1. Yeah. yeah. But they could also lost all three of those games. They could have. They didn't. It's because they, they, do, it. they don't score very highly. Carlson have competed well, depending on which side of the cynical fence you want to sit on. Yep. But they don't score very high. And they're missing McGovern this week. And they're missing McGovern this and week. probably Phillips and no Cruiser, so... So, I don't actually care who wins this week, Baz. Because we have a more important tip to try and work out. You said on last week's pod that both these teams will score between 61 and 75 points for the rest of the season. Yep. Will they do it when they play against each other? I reckon. Both? Yeah, why not? It'll be, it'll be an ordinary game. <laughs> it will be terrible. <laughs> I know someone is flying up there to watch it, and I'm pretty sure he's flying up there for the the people he's going with and the beer and food he'll be drinking and eating, not the footy game. But uh, I'm I'm going to tip Gold Coast at home mm-hmm. with no confidence whatsoever because how could you? Absolutely. Uh, again, I just worry about they've got no McGovern, no Kerno. McKay was a standout last week. 
he did so much work for them and you know probably the, one of their better players well he was one of their better players can he back that up can he especially with the flight to the Gold Coast uh, their midfield will be carried by Cripps I was thinking at the moment looking at Gold Coast they've got more players putting in and uh, more players in better form uh, and not so much yeah they've got young players but they're probably another year or two more seasoned and a bit more advanced than where Carlton are which should dominate the ruck uh, their midfield swap led by Swallows amazing Miller uh, Bowers has been talked about all week and uh, you know Farini they've got they've got lots of talent up there and they've obviously you know Stewie Dew said at the end of the last year said if you don't want to be piss off if you do let's build something and they're building it so they're doing a good job and I think they've got enough and mind you how's Collins going last week he looked like he looked like Rancy <laughs> he was intercept marking everything down back for them and you know for a bloke that's been cut what two AFL teams and look at this and he saved the game against Freeman or he's, he's good on him for taking the chance and good on him good on Stewie Jew for having faith in him as well yeah. so I'm tipping Gold Coast but I've got no no punting perspective apart from both teams to score 61 to 75 and even individually 61 to 75 because I've made a statement and I'm sticking to it yeah fair enough I think the number one stat that goes in favour of Gold Coast here is with your ball use. So Carlton are the worst team in the AFL at getting uncontested disposals. Just over half of their disposals are uncontested. They can't get any clean footy. And that's because they can't use it. So they just, uh, their disposal efficiency is at 67.2, which is way under the average, and the comp is, seven, is 70. So they're going to gift through turnovers enough ball for Gold Coast to get an extra one or two goals above them. Yeah. And, they, and they've already proven over the last three weeks that they can't kick barely more than 60 or 70 points. Yeah. So, yeah, tip Gold Coast. Anything can happen when the, when the two worst teams in the comp face off. So uh, don't pour too much cash into it unless you're going with the world's best bet, which is both teams, 61 to 75 points. Cold pies and hot takes. You, you, you fizzed out with your round three. Oh. You said Wusha was going to be gone. Wusha won. And then he won. And he won, so he's safe for another few weeks. So uh, do you have a hot take? We're going to put the hot... You, you turned off the uh, the pie warming and just leave it for a couple of weeks. No, I reckon if Melbourne win this week, which is... Uh, we've tipped them. And if LA thump North in the same manner that North have been beaten the last few weeks, especially around you know, the middle of the ground... I reckon that there's not enough, there's not enough other stuff going on in the AFL at the moment to take the heat off the Scott brother that he's at North Melbourne, and I think he would come under a bit of pressure because you know North Melbourne nearly made the, the eight last year. They've topped up with a couple of older players from Port and uh, you know Aaron Hall and stuff, and I think uh, yeah they might be in for a bit of a stick because I don't think their list is that good. We've been talking about this for a while now. Their list has got some good older players who would dropping off a bit or being found out like Brown and the younger players aren't there so with injuries or whatnot, and you know Paul Hearn can't get a game after what he did second half of last year it's a bit staggering why he can't get a game at the moment and I think that yeah North Melbourne could be big in the papers next week yes and I agree with that mine's not a hot take but just a hot tip and that is if North do get pumped by Adelaide don't watch the game but set a little reminder in your phone for an alarm to go off in time for the press conference because if they do lose, there's going to be some journalists putting on their big boy pants and trying to ask some big boy questions. And, and Brad Scott will not want to have an absolute bar of it. And there could be an, an old school Mick Malthouse blow up, <laughs> which will be my watch television. Now tell me your money and make a stack. Making time, our feature bets for round four. I've given the reins to the punter's prophet himself, <laughs> Brian Randall. Let's go through your feature bets for round four. Do you have a multi to begin with? Oh, yeah. I'm throwing it out there. Melbourne, Richmond, Greater West Sydney, all head to head. 22 bucks. The big upset. The mega bet upset. There we go. 
All right, we just that's a fair roughie, but do you have an individual roughie yeah, that Rich, isn't that not multi? Richmond at three forty-five upset of the week and a value bet. Um, well, Melbourne at two twenty is pretty good value, or G- GWS two ninety pretty good value. All head to head, all pretty straightforward. When you want to go outside the box with your tips and Baz, what is your sure thing for round four? So my, my best bet is Carlton sixty-one seventy-five total match points on uh, when they play the Gold Coast. That's going to give you three dollars and. 10 cents. There's plenty of value. That's, this is a big value week. So we might come out red-faced look, and offering a, uh, an apology on this episode's pod. I can look like an pod. absolute knob and, you know, get called lots of names or I can be an absolute genius. And let me tell you, if it comes off... The heads will wobble. Probably wobble a bit. But if it doesn't, I'm probably just going to crawl into a corner. Yeah. I'll be doing a solo pod next week. <laughs> All right. Good luck to your bets. Always gamble responsibly, and uh, good luck, Super Cage, for the young fellas in the weekend. Come on.